You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, people, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is a good one. Today, I am talking to none other than Molly Miller. I've been wanting to talk to her for a very long time. She's been on my list. I feel like I say that a lot these days. Wow, I've been wanting to talk to this person for a very long time. Well, the truth is there are a lot of people that I want to talk to. So it's it's always true, okay? On this one, we dive in pretty deep into how exactly she found herself teaching guitar at a real deal university. She's a professor. She's Dr. Molly Miller, for crying out loud. That is not a title I encounter in the guitar space very often. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about her performing with her trio. We talk about songwriting. We talk about gear, of course. And on Patreon, we talk about ghosts. Yeah, for real. We talk about ghosts over on Patreon. So if you want to hear some of her ghost stories, then you can go over to patreon.com, where for five bucks a month, you not only help support this show, but you get lots of extra bonus episodes, and I really, really appreciate it. Also, for that five bucks, you get access to the ad-free feed of this podcast, so you don't have to hear those if you don't want. So please slide over there, support the show if you can, and if not, I totally understand. Please just share this with somebody that you think will enjoy it, and that will mean the world to me. Again, I'm putting these podcasts up on YouTube now, so if you like to listen to the audio version but you prefer to be over on YouTube, every Monday when this drops everywhere else in the podcast sphere, it will also publish over on YouTube. So if that's your preferred platform, you can go over there to check it out. And if you really like to just watch people talk, well, the video episodes have been a lot more consistent lately, and you can check them out on YouTube as well, as well as some of my ranty vlogs guitar pedal demos, and basically any video content I can think of, I'm actually genuinely hitting YouTube with some real effort. I know I've threatened to do that in the past, but so far, I've been pretty consistent for the last month or so. So if you want more Tone Mob YouTubery, please go over there and check it out. It honestly helps out a lot. I know I've been an audio-only podcast for a very long time, but I decided it is time to give the people what they want. So please go to the Tone Mob YouTube channel to check that out and like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Molly Miller. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wylan, and with me today I have Molly Miller. What's up? How you doing? 
I'm good. I'm enjoying my my Thursday morning. Good, 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 good. I've been, uh, this is long overdue. You've been on my list to contact for a long time, and then your people reached out, and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 because uh, this is way overdue. Uh, well, here we I'm are. happy to be here. <laughs> we're gonna, we're just gonna push play and, or record and see what happens, if that works for you, because yeah, who knows? Let's do it. Yeah. Well, for the uninitiated, because I've got people that listen to this from all across genres uh, and styles and tastes. Uh, for the uninitiated, who are you? When did you start playing? Obviously, you've got a deep background and uh, are much more educated than 99.9% of the guests that have come on this show. Uh, really? And uh, I'd like to know where it all started. It's just one s- sector of my life, the education life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I am Molly Miller. I started playing. Wait, am I supposed to like, just like tell tell them my tell my my life? Yeah, life? give me your life story. I want to hear my it. Life story. The whole and thing. Was, whole thing. There's a lot, a lot of details. No, I whatever. like details. It's a podcast. It gets weird <laughs> when you run out of things to talk about. So you're good. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, ask me to uh, abbreviate or to embellish if I'm saying too much or too little. But yeah, I started playing guitar when I was seven. I'm the middle of five children. So when I was seven, our ages were three to 11. My mm-hmm. parents decided we were going to be in a family band. Whoa. Um, I know. So they like transformed our living room to a band room. And it was like all five kids each had a thing. Um, and mine was guitar. It was kind of mm-hmm. like, you're playing guitar. And I was like, okay, cool. Oh, so you didn't pick it. It picked I, you. No. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. Sometimes like I had this sort of meta moment a, a, year, a couple years ago. I was like, what if they didn't give me the guitar? Whoa. Like, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> but I think like between the siblings, it made sense. Like my sister was taking piano lessons. My older brother started playing bass and my little brother is a, still a drummer, Sammy Miller. He's an amazing drummer. Um, we still play together a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I think maybe he chose drums and I just like, I don't, I like, don't remember. I really should ask my parents. Like why it's kind of funny now that I'm thinking like, why did I never ask them? Why'd they give me guitar? But they gave me guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just, it was just like my childhood. Every day we like did band practice and learned, you know, Beatles and Beach Boys and top 40s from my parents' era, you know, like tunes from the 60s that my parents really liked. They kind of mm-hmm. like told us what songs to learn. And we we're like, okay. And then, um, yeah, and I liked it. It wasn't really, I didn't realize how much I liked guitar until I was 13 and learned Purple Haze. Like up until that point, it was just like a thing I did. And all I wanted to really do was hang out with my friends, but they were like band practice. I was like, you know, whatever. (laughs) I was a little kid. And then I learned Hendrix and I was like, oh, snap, this is cool. Um, Yeah. And then I just started taking guitar more seriously. I was in like jazz bands and rock bands with my friends playing like Blink-182 and and No Doubt and all that stuff. And then Mm -hmm. also jazz band at school and like tunes with my family and that the, the family band sort of stopped around when I was 14. And then I just did all the other stuff and I kept playing with my brothers. So the three of us, that was like the original Molly Miller trio. Okay. Kind of a, a funny realization I had recently too, was my older brother on bass, and my little brother on drums. And it was the original Molly Miller trio. Um, yeah. Then I went to USC, studied guitar for many years there. I was there from for nine years, I got three degrees from USC straight through, and now I am teaching there. So sometimes it's like, I, I don't know if I'm, you know, 17, 18 years old or still. <laughs> what, <you know? laughs> it's funny to like be in the same room that like I was a student in now teaching classes. Um, but yeah, and I play all sorts of music. So obviously I, I studied a lot of jazz and I have a trio that is 
jazz adjacent, jazz, jazz-ish, but with a lot of other influences. But I also like play with Jason Mraz and I was just playing with uh, Zayn Malik of One Direction, you know, so I like also do like the pop stuff. I'm playing with a, an amazing country artist. I don't know when the podcast comes out, but this Saturday with Leslie Stevens. So I definitely play a lot of different genres um, and I feel like that comes out in my music. But yeah, I just like am really into the guitar. So my project, side side lady stuff, and then education as well. I feel like those are sort of like the worlds I, I dance around. So when you started your formal education, you started studying guitar specifically or music more broadly. How did that happen? Guitar. I am like such a guitar player. You know, it's like, I feel, yeah, it's guitar. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like even, even like my degree was studio jazz guitar and I teach just good. And like, you know, I've taught like ensembles, I've taught like theory classes and I can nerd out on that stuff. But, uh, I feel like I'm such a guitar player specifically, even though like, and I write songs and like, you know, I write my own, my own original music, but it's all like, I sit on a guitar and play it. It's not like, like a melody comes in my head. It's like my vessel is the instrument. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me that, like, because I am just a big, like, just ape. I'm like, I don't know what chord that is, eh, 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 but I like how it sounds. Like, I don't know what I'm doing 90% of the time, but I am similarly obsessed with guitar and guitar yeah. music. Uh, and I feel like a lot of guitarists, and maybe this is just the circles I run in, uh, they tend to be of the less academic approach. They tend to be Mm -hmm. the more like, yeah, three chords in the truth, man, rock and roll. And that is super valid too. But I am curious what drew you to the more academic side, because that's something I'm so that's, I'm so unfamiliar with. Yeah. Um, I think it's like uh, layered first. I mean, like, you know, now I'm like knowing what you're doing can set you free, Mm -hmm. you know? Cause it's like, Sure, like if you pick up your instrument and you go like G C D, you're like, I know this is gonna sound good. And right. it's not like <laughs> it's not like me spending years in school or years thinking about it or studying it somehow makes that like I have some some deeper thing that someone else doesn't. Like if like I feel like the golden rule is if it sounds good, if it sounds good, it is good. Mm-hmm. You know? 100%. And that I think just is true beyond any nerdy theory thing that I've studied and can talk about and like get off on, you know, because like I love that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, to me, it also like can set you free because it is really fun to me. It's like a, a fun puzzle of like figuring out harmony and how things can connect and, and, um, also understanding the fretboard in a really deep way of, of seeing the fretboard and having everything light up and knowing in this key, suddenly like things light up when I, when I, uh, think about them and having spent a lot of time studying it. And I don't think it's essential, but I think, because I did spend a lot of time studying jazz, it'd be really hard to get through, you know, giant steps without understanding theory and having the fretboard light up for each key center and each chord. Um, but sometimes I'll just play on a tune and I don't think all those things. I just think C major, just play your C major pentatonic all over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, uh, and it's like funny, like it's like a chicken or egg thing. You know, I think I was doing it because I think, I don't know, and my parents wanted me to go to college and I wanted to go to college. And like, that's what you do when you go to school. Okay. Um, and I kept going to school. So I kept studying it, but also I loved knowing all that stuff. And now, so I don't know what came first. It's like, I started doing it and I got into it 
And it wasn't, I don't think it was like a, a, a an idea before, like, I really want to know all the theory. It's just like I started studying it. Um, and now I love it. And now I, I want all my, you know, when I teach, I, I, it's not like I, I, I was like a monkey for so long is what I say. You know, I mm-hmm. like, they'd be like, put your hand here and this is the song. Um, and, uh, and I feel like that can be really limiting. Um, and I, for me on the instrument, the ultimate goal is to have clarity and express myself as coherently as possible. Um, and for me, it's like really understanding what I'm doing and possibilities is helpful because I don't think, Oh, I want to put a two, five, one here. I want to do this here. Like I am like picking up my guitar and letting, letting melodies lead me, mm-hmm. um, and playing what feels good and what sounds right. But yeah, I mean, I, I like, yeah, now, so I don't know, chicken or egg, like now I love it. And I do right. think for me, it has set me free, you know, to like know all the modes and know what they sound like and know what they feel like, but not be like, like hithered by them. Mm-hmm. So, so when you started in school, did you have an idea like, oh, I'm going to be uh, a professor or I'm going to be a session player or like, did you have a goal in mind or you're just like, I'm going to spend as much time with guitar as possible and see what happens. Which yeah. path was it? I mean, it's like, I think I've had so many paths like, and I, I, it's like hard to actually understand what it means to be a professional musician when you're like 16 years old, Oh yeah, you know? You're just like, I just want to play guitar and like do the thing. And you're like, well, that pays a hundred dollars a night. And that doesn't exactly pay rent. You know, it's like right. these notions. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you're going to be living at mom and dad's house for a really long time. If you just do that one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a lot of different visions. I did not think I was going to be a professor at first. Like at one point I thought I wanted to be like play in pit bands and then I did it and I hated it so much. So I was like, Oh, I don't want to be a pit musician. Um, and like, I didn't want to teach for a long time. And then I actually started teaching and realized I really loved it. You know, I had this notion that if you teach, you can't play. And like, but then I was like, Oh, that's actually not true. Um, so it definitely evolved pretty organically. And even the professor thing, like I did not want to stay and get my degrees at USC at first. I was like, I don't want to get a master's. I don't want to get a doctorate. I just want to like go and play and live the musician life. But Mm -hmm. I stayed and I'm really grateful I did because I like love being a professor. And also for me, structure is really nice in my life, like having having structure. So I think all that was really helpful, especially at the time. Um, So I've had like a lot of different ideas. And even like my trio, my trio with Jen and Jay, I did not think like, Oh, I want to be a band leader at first, but I started just like booking trio gigs. And then I was like, Oh, like, I guess I have a trio. And Jen was like, we need a record. And I was like, yeah, I guess we need a record. And she's like, (laughs) you should write originals. I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. And now like I have this trio that brings me so much joy that I spend so much time thinking about and working for and like booking tours and, you know, like, um, that happened really organically. Like I, I, that's the thing. It's like, I think I had this like kind of vague, vision of like, I know I want to play guitar. I know that's where I feel like most right. And like touring, like I knew I wanted to tour. Um, but also like, I think it'd be hard if I only toured or it'd be hard if I only taught and if I only had my trio. So like naturally I've like kind of just like juggled these different parts of the, of my musical journey. Um, and I feel really fortunate because I love all three and I feel like they all these different elements inform each other and I think make me a stronger musician, a better educator. And like, a for me, like a better person, because I, I think I, I see, I also like, I feel like I like was, would always like step back and look at people and see how it's really easy to get burnt out. 
Um, and like this thing, this thing that brings us so much joy, people can start to like uh, resent, you know, like resent doing a gig they don't want to do or resent teaching when they don't want to teach or resent whatever. And I was like, I do not want that to be me. Like to me, it's like a sacred thing. What we do is playing music and spending time with our instrument and I want to keep it holy. Um, so I think for me, having this balance of different things has really helped me keep what I do sacred. Mm -hmm. That makes a ton of sense because it is really easy to get in a rut musically because we do love it. And when you pour so much of yourself into something and you're spending all of your time on it, yeah. some people don't have this problem, but most people will reach a saturation point to where it's like, ah, too much, yeah, too, too much. But if you can keep it spicy and you can keep like different, you know, things coming your way, different opportunities where you have to keep thinking, you have to yeah. keep learning and keep, you know, approaching it instead of becoming like the grizzled old musician that's like, oh, I gotta go down to do them with the party again, you know, like. It, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yes. I don't want to be the grizzly, you know, I don't want to be the musician. And like, I feel like when you just like keep it spicy, I'm like, yes, that's it. You know, you're just like, let's try this. Mm -hmm. Like, let's try a new thing. And like, that's what I feel like has kept me, I don't know, kept the pep in my step, kept the like excitement in my, in my soul, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, and I have to imagine too, actually going out and touring and doing that stuff and recording in the studio versus just having a purely academic approach is helpful for your students. Oh like, my God. Like, I'm sure there are, I, I'm just guessing, but I'm sure there are people out there who just teach. And they don't have the exposure to these other things where the students might be interested or they want to go on tour. But what is that even really like? Until you talk to somebody that's done it, you can have this fantastic kind of magical idea of the <laughs> of the grimy reality, you know? <laughs> yes, it's so true. Like, And sometimes I feel badly. Like, I've definitely had certain days where students are like, what's it like touring? And I'm like sucks <laughs> don't do it do you want to be away from your loved ones and not sleep and just like whatever so, uh, it's true like I think it's very true like because like I said at the beginning like reality is very different than fantasy of, of this so it's like it's always evolving um but yeah I, I think for sure and it made it made it's like makes me sane because when I was like in grad school, I made a really conscious decision of like, this is part of my life. Like I was still gigging probably three, four nights a week doing like bar gigs and wedding gigs and playing for artists at like whatever, because it like, it helped me remember like why I do the thing. And it's what I wanted to be doing. You know, like I'm like teaching is just in like academic world is one side of me that I love. And in order to love it, like I got to like play a bunch of gigs and hang out with my people and, and do shows and tour and all those other things. Cause without it, it's like that. I didn't fall in love with guitar to teach. I fell in love with guitar to play. Mm -hmm. yeah. So do you consider yourself as a complete sidebar, but let's go. Uh, do you consider yourself a quote unquote, like gear person? Like um, I am, I, I'm obsessed. And it's, and it's why I got into all this was actually really? because I fell in love with pedals and stuff. Damn. Uh, what was yeah. the pedal that was like, I'm a gear person. Ooh, that's tough. Um, my first pedal ever was a Tube Screamer, just a regular yes. TS9. 
and I yeah. uh, grew to not even really like those that much. Uh, weirdly, yeah, yeah, I think that was my first pedal too. Mm. Like and a green TS9? My, oh yeah, it's right. It's it's in my. I, I can see it. I see it. It's right <laughs> here up, in my wall of pedals. I ended up giving it away at some point, uh, like when I started doing like all this tone mob stuff. Um, but the pedal that probably like really activated it for me, uh, probably like a whammy. My buddy mm. got a whammy, and I was like, "Whoa, hold on, what are we doing here? This is something else." And yeah. because my dad was a guitarist and cool. very much not a gear person at all, he primarily plays acoustic and just doesn't care or know about pedals and amps and stuff. It's just not yeah. his thing. So I grew up, you know, during the new metal era, and I'm trying to figure out like why Lincoln Park sounds so heavy, and I'm like, <laughs> "Dad, why does it sound like that?" He's like, "I don't know." Like I have no, like I have no idea. But I'm like, but you play guitar, you should know. <laughs> oh my and, God. and I didn't even play guitar at that point. And I, this, I've told this story before on the podcast, and it's kind of embarrassing. But I didn't know that down tuning was a thing because I, I mean, didn't, I didn't well, know how to tune a guitar. So. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. not like born with that information. That makes sense. Yeah. And of course, this is pre-internet, and so I literally thought what I was hearing. I was like, well, I want to play what I'm hearing in these heavier, like slipknot type things. Yeah. And I thought I was hearing distorted bass mostly because it was so low. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, it must be a bass that's that's got a lot of distortion. So I would like call Guitar Center and ask them these ridiculous questions. Like, do you have does this amp? I'm looking at that catalog right now. Does this amp have distortion in it? And they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like. That's what? so good. Yeah, and so it wasn't to, it wasn't for a long time that I actually realized what I was hearing and yeah. um and how to get it. So I think I think that like lack of knowledge that I had drove me to want to understand that side of it so much more for whatever reason. Like I still want to know how to play, obviously, yeah. but I just become obsessed with 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 pedals and amps and and everything and trying to figure out how all that works. Yeah. And I don't, I, yeah, I spent all my time figuring that stuff out, which is a never ending rabbit hole in and of itself, of course. So for sure. Yeah. That's cool. I love that calling guitar center. <laughs> <laughs> oh I had God. no idea what I was asking for. <laughs> well, I'm sure they get a lot of those calls and like people coming in, especially like probably like, yeah. I mean, where else do you think you're going to discover that stuff besides yeah, guitar it was like center? A, probably, so I, I was probably 12. Ish. Yeah, and I was oh my just, God. <laughs> just like, hey, hey, does this amp have distortion in it? Like, I'd or, love to see their faces. You know, they hang up. They're like, this kid keeps calling about this. Yeah, kid. and it, I did. I did it more than once because I would like look at it and I'd read about it and I'd be like, hmm, better call about this one. Like, I don't, oh yeah, because I also didn't have any money, so I was like, I gotta get the best bang for the buck. That's gonna get me the thing that I'm looking for, even though I don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was a it was a weird journey, and um, to to have that, I, it's it's weird to look back on that stuff because to have that be the source of a career is yeah. bizarre. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's so cool though. Like mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. that one thing you keep reaching for. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And it, yeah. it, yeah, I think, I mean, that's like what anything is like, you just like keep following a path that kind of smells right, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, I think <laughs> too many people get stuck like somewhere else, you know, and they have the thing that really interests them and really drives them. And they either get 
sidetracked or sidelined through no, you know, no fault of their own. And they never get back to sniffing down the path. And um, that's why I always try to, because I was, it wasn't until my late 20s that I realized I could maybe work in this industry instead of what I was doing before, which had nothing to do with anything. And I, I I just felt like I I could see how people feel stuck because it's like, oh, I've sank, you know, 12, 15 years into this career already, but I really don't like it very much. So it's getting over that sunk cost fallacy and being able to kind of get back to what gets you excited. And you don't have to do that for your job, but you know, I, uh, there's varying degrees of obsession, I suppose, but yeah, I I know. Well, it's like, I think I sometimes I see it in music where people feel like they've spent a decade or more doing it and they're burnt out. And like, it's, I think whatever you do, it's really, it's really scary to make a change. It is, you know, like whatever the thing is. And I think it, 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 it's, yeah, it's the thing like life is hard and you may as well do the thing that you want to do. I, Jim, There was that like Jim Carrey movie. It was like just called like Jim and Andy or something was when he did the Andy Kaufman. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about his dad. I forget what his dad wanted to be. Maybe like a magician or something in the arts that was uh, atypical. And he ended up like losing. He like instead like became an insurance guy or something like just stable. He got fired and they ended up living in a van homeless. And he was like, wow, my dad failed playing it safe. Like, I want to at least fail doing the thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that like, I was like, yeah, like I, that really stuck with me. I like loved that idea. That, and I like, I think about it a lot. Like life is hard. Like no matter what you do, like being a musician's hard, being working in sales is hard. Like, I don't know. So it's just like, I don't uh, somehow finding the balance of making sure it also brings you joy or, yeah, I don't know. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations and 33 banks and something along the lines of, the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my talkie? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 
30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Oh, I think that is important, because I I think I, I definitely had this viewpoint, and I don't anymore, but that unless you were doing it full time, you weren't like really doing it. And that doesn't make any sense at all. That's stupid. No. It's, no. it's not any more or less valid. If you sell insurance during the day and you write songs at night, that doesn't totally. make you less of a songwriter because you totally. sell insurance. It's, it's just a dumb way that we're programmed to think for some reason that I know. has no validity at all. No, there's so many false notions about like, about that we create, you know, like whatever. Mine was like, if you're teaching, you you have to suck a guitar, which is like. Then I was looking at my teachers. I was like, they're badass and doing cool things. So that 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 idea doesn't work. Or, and I see with my students sometimes, like adult learners, where they're like, I think, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't, they act like what they're doing doesn't matter. Sometimes they're like, yeah, oh. you know, I'm like, no, it does. Like, why I'm doing this because it makes me happy, and like you're doing it because it makes you happy. Or it makes you feel something. So, like, why is my feeling more valid than yours? I just did an episode uh, with a lady named Justina Kelly, and she talked about uh, trying. She was she she grew up in the music industry. Her mom was a, a successful songwriter and all this stuff, and she just never felt like she could do it for some. I might be maybe misquoting a little bit, but the words she used was like she finally had to give herself permission. Yeah. To do it. And I was like, I know exactly what you mean. Like, yeah. why, why do we do that? We, we just belittle, belittle our own thing, even though it's, it's the same thing as people we look up to sometimes God. different skill levels, different styles, different genres, whatever. We're always as artists, like comparing ourselves uh, against others when we shouldn't Ugh. be, but that doesn't mean like we do this thing where we're like, well, I'm not a real X, Y, Z. Oh my God. Like, why not? Why I aren't mean, you? Yeah. Like, yes. The uh, <laughs> imposter syndrome is so real. I mean, like, I feel that with my trio sometimes. It's like, I always feel like, you know, I'm going to get discovered that I know nothing, that I shouldn't actually be teaching, that like, <laughs> I don't know how to lead a trio. I don't know how to play the guitar. I don't know anything about gear, you know, when it's like, no, like Molly, get those things out of your head. Like you're okay. And yeah. The thing that, that helps me is like like realizing because I've spoken to people who I really respect and like worship and think that they have it all figured out and I realize they're like just as scared as I am and like that for me has soothed my anxiety and my self-doubt so much to be like oh my god they have self-doubt mm -hmm. wow it never goes away 
okay, cool. It just stays. And like somehow it like falls off my shoulders a little bit easier. I, I think that's really worth emphasizing. And I, again, I, I repeat myself on this podcast. Sorry, everybody. But uh, I do a lot of blabbering on the internet. It happens. There, I was relayed a story about a, just we'll just call it a household name band. Yeah. That should not feel, this, the, the member of this band should not feel like it's all going to go away. Because it's super not. They, yeah. they, they're, they're, as, they're as established as it gets. Everybody yeah. knows who they are. Uh and they were talking to this other person that I that I was chatting with, and they were like, yeah, they felt like it could all go away at any moment. God. And it's like, outside looking in, you're like, that's impossible. Ugh. Like You could go anywhere in the world, and people are going to know who you are, but they felt like it could vanish at any moment. It's like, well, yeah. if they feel that way, then I guess we're always going to feel that way. And like, I wonder, like, is it worse in the arts, in the music industry, where like we're programmed to be like, it could fail. Like you could be the exception where, where like every, like, I don't know why. Cause sometimes I feel like really pre like, uh, like program that way. And I see it in my students and I see it in my peers just to be like, yeah, I suck. And soon everyone's going to discover I suck or yeah, this, the, my, like my 20 years of career that I've established is it's going to go away overnight. I, I think it's a couple things. I don't know this for a fact, but this is my theory yeah. is that it it's, it's a supply and demand thing. There are way more people who want to play music for a living or do something musical for a living than there are jobs necessarily because everybody kind of wants to do it, you know, like to some degree, <laughs> yeah. if you play guitar, uh, there's a small part of you that would be like, man, well, if I could do this for a living, that would be cool. <laughs> Even if you don't really, you know, pursue that path. So yeah. I think the supply and demand is there. So I think a lot fewer people do make it their career than the opposite. And so there's that feeling of like sort of competition where it's like, yeah. I gotta be, I gotta be on my A game so that I get this. I mean, down to a lot of us have had to, not me, but a lot of us have had to like audition for gigs. Oh my God, the um, and that's, you know, you're literally competing with other people. And so I think we have this, there's a little bit of a famine mindset that is only partially accurate because I think partially. one of the great things about the internet is that it has expanded all of that. It used to be way less, it used to be way narrower and a smaller sample size of people that could actually get in there. But now that's widened significantly. So I think we are going to have, you know, we have however long recorded music has been a thing. You know, we've had that famine mentality and it's going to take us probably at least that long again before the general population of musician feels like it's actually not as scarce uh, as it once was. So that's a theory anyway. I don't know if that's right. Yeah. And I, I think the famine feeling is there. And I was in a car the other day with a handful of musicians and we are all talking about that sort of notion of like getting picked for a gig or getting off a gig. And, and like I, and maybe I'll feel differently a different day, but right now I do believe like there's enough gigs for us. Like you will get the gig that you should get, you mm -hmm. know, like I, I don't like the idea that like, if only like, you know, I was supposed to get that gig. That should have been my, I'm just like, I don't like that idea. I, I'm like more of a like, I don't know. You show up, you be prepared, you be you, and you're going to get the gigs that are right for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, 100%. I don't, and also like this whole idea of ecosystem too, of like, 
you do a gig and you move forward and someone else does the gig. You don't want to like take too much of the ecosystem up. Like you do something and you move forward. Cause like, yeah, I, I think that there are enough. Yeah. I know what you're saying in general. Like, yes, way more people would want to be like on stage rocking out and doing all the things, but I do have to like have this sort of belief of like, we will get the gigs that are right for us. I think that's true. And I also, I wish somebody would have explained to me back in the day, hey, you don't have to be the person on the stage to get close to music, to yeah. work with music type stuff every day. Because I didn't want to tour. I really yeah. didn't want to do that. I, I, I still don't want to do that. I, I hate road trips. I don't, it's not, I don't want to do it. Like, <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you do, I, you hate road trips too? I'm like, I like that. Like, oh my God. Even like, I remember like, previous boyfriends going on vacation and just being like, can we go home? Like, I'm so sick of not being home. <laughs> I don't mind not being home. I don't mind. I love oh, traveling. I love really? going to new places and experiencing new things. I don't like sitting in a car. I don't like sitting in a I don't like traveling. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing to like be a touring musician. I'm way better now. I used to like anywhere, like not like traveling, but now I can like get down on a vacation a little bit, but I was not a good traveler. It's taken me many tours to be like, okay, cool. I can do this. So I'm not naturally a good I need traveler. To, I need to ask you this then. As somebody who doesn't like traveling, yeah. but has done a lot of traveling, yeah. do you have any traveling tips for oh, the I people got, who hate traveling? I got some hot tips for, oh, well, at least for me. I think it's because I'm like, I mean, I think we're all humans of rituals. You know, we all have these little like habits that that help us get through a day. For mm -hmm. me, the traveling things that have been helpful, I mean, like, I go on runs pretty much every day when I'm on tour, and those, like, and it's not even always long. It'll be, like, 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever, just to, like, jog and have my, like, zen time because I feel like we're less healthy when we're traveling, so that's helpful. Also, yep. I bring my own caffeine. I'm a matcha consumer, so I have, like, my whole matcha set up that I bring everywhere because I hate feeling like a Karen and being like, that's not the right matcha or like, you don't have my thing. <laughs> just like bring my own stuff. Um, I also travel with oatmeal packets. That's another thing. Cause sometimes mm. I, these are all like, it's mostly just like food and exercise things that have helped me. It's super important though. And like eye mask, uh, I travel with an eye mask. That's super helpful. I just was traveling a lot the last two weeks and I took that with me everywhere. It was really helpful. Also, I've just, I think as I've gotten older, I like to think I've gotten a little, I don't know, like let go a little bit of the control of a day or whatever, you know, just like, I don't know. I think like got more like accepting the day and just moving through it because I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it like, yeah, I think those are the things that have been helpful for me is like some of my jogs and some of my, my caffeine. Mm -hmm. Oh, and practicing. Oh my God. When I'm on tour, I practice every day. And that as well is just like, they're, they're just like things that make me centered. And this is like more specific for touring. Like mm -hmm. when I'm traveling, uh, it's different. Like when I'm on vacation, but when I'm, when I'm on tour, they're like things that help me feel like centered. I think we've, as a, as a culture of musicians, so to speak, we've just assumed that traveling means gas station food and <laughs> and touring means like you're just gonna eat garbage and not oh sleep God. the whole time yeah but i don't think that has to be true necessarily no. um, i can't i mean like it can't like that I, I even like partying like i drink less when i'm touring because 
you just like, you're more likely to get sick. Like normally when I'm on tour is like, I, I try to be my healthiest because it's so much easier to get sick and to be cranky and you're around all these people. And like, I don't want to be that cranky person on tour. I want to be like, have slept, not be sick, not be hungover. So I like try to be like a very, like do those like sort of those, those self, I don't know what the word is. Self care or self like, care, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yes. I, I, I get it. It's, it's, um, I'm, I'm, I like to exercise and I, you know, I don't running, I don't know about that, but like, I, <laughs> I definitely like to pick up things to make the voices go away. And, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> get the heart racing, get yep. the people away. Yeah, yep. exactly. Uh, and, you know, it's been such a consistent thing in my life for a long time. But over the last year and a half, I've, like, got a coach and I'm taking it a lot more seriously. Cool. And now I'm sitting here looking at some trips I have coming up and going, like, how am I going to work this in? Now, yeah. fortunately, I can plan it with him. And sometimes it's like, oh, we'll just take that week off. It's not a big deal because we'll yeah. program it into the plan. But, uh, yeah, I got a two-week one coming up and I'm going, hmm. I don't think I can take two weeks off. That's not going to work. Where yeah. are you going? I'm going back to Nashville, which cool. is, uh, it won't be till May, but Nashville is my, my home away from home. So nice. I'll go there. I'll be in Nashville in May too. You will? What well, days? May 24th and 25th, I'll be playing at Nelson's Drum Shop if you're around. Oh, Nelson's is great. I won't totally. be there then, unfortunately. I'll it's be okay. the week before. But I'd say Nelson's we could work awesome. out together. We could we could do some of the push-ups and whatever. Yeah, old things. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, go to Nashville a lot? I, I talk about Nashville constantly because I love it there. You know, yeah, I actually, it's like I'll be there. I'm trying to think. I just like found out last week I'll be there a couple times this summer. I'll be there in May and then end of June. I normally go at least, I'd say like a couple times a year, I feel like for shows, you know, it is mm -hmm. a, a city I go through for music often. Of course. Yeah. So I go there. Yeah. I feel like at least a couple times a year I go to Nashville and it's always nice to like catch up with friends and all those things. Yeah. I feel like, like, like a half of my friends have moved there. Like they didn't used to be there and now all of a sudden a lot of them were in California and now they're over there. So Dude, yeah, during yeah. the pandemic, so many people left, but so many people came. It was sort of this, like, I think a lot of people just want to change. I think so. Yeah. I stayed in the same apartment. Didn't leave. It was, I will say it's, it sounds weird to say, but I had been doing this for full time for a few years at that point. And so people were like, Oh, it's crazy. how you're not, you know, things are, not going to the office anymore. I'm like, it's it's really not not that different for me on a on a day to day basis. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like the whole world's upside down, and you're like, I'm living my same life. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty. The only difference is like it's kind of weird to go to the grocery store, but other than that, I, I'm still ranting on the phone with my business partners and uh, doing oh podcasts, and I'll buy myself in the shed. And uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of just the same for Dude, me in a lot of ways you were you were thinking ahead you're yeah you're living <laughs> not, yeah. not far enough i made maybe it would have made some different decisions but, i know uh, yesterday yeah. i was like why didn't i buy that house when it was zero dollars oh. <laughs> right i think everyone yeah. feels that way <laughs> everybody feels that way and it's everywhere like it used to be like hey you know that town in montana is real cheap and and now it's like no that does nothing's cheap anymore it, i know it doesn't exist 
particularly in Los Angeles, California. Particularly in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. I mean, it could be worse. You could be in San Francisco. And that's Ugh. about that's about the only place that's more expensive. <laughs> I know. It's like, uh, yeah, totally. There's, yes. Yeah. Wild stuff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and Good Hertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with very compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my plane dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossie, I invite you to head over to chaseblissaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Well, getting back to uh, some music stuff. So you said you're not a big gear person, but obviously you do, you do, you do pay attention. It's like a funny thing because it's like, yeah, I'm like staring at this, my guitar. I don't know what this is. It's a a room I play guitar and that's just filled with my guitar. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I have my feelings on gear. I have whatever. I don't even know how many, over a hundred pedals here and probably 30 guitars and five, six amps. Like I, 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 yeah, yeah. I just have a lot of stuff and I have my feelings on it and I know the things I like. I'm not always hunting though. I think that's why sometimes I feel like I'm not necessarily a big gear person because I'm not hunting. Mm-hmm. I like will get things and I'll be like, this is cool. I like this. This works. If, I, if I'm like not happy with something I hunt, but I feel like I found setups for me that I love and that work and like, yeah. And like change is scary. I know the guitars I love. I know my pedal board I love, and there's some things I want to shift on it. I have the amps I love, but like, and I'm always like open and want new stuff and to check it out, but I don't like, I'm not obsessing, obsessively chasing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. You know, you're also doing a specific set of jobs. So if, if something's working, it's like you don't just buy a new hammer just because you want a new hammer most of the time. You buy one when something some feature or some thing that'll make your life easier or better in some way comes out. So what does your typical rig look like when you're say touring? That's probably the best example. Yeah. Well, it depends. Okay. So if I'm touring with like an artist, like when I'm with Jason or this thing I just did last week, I like took my line six out. Uh, Helix Mm -hmm. line. Sorry. It's my line six, my Helix. I take my Helix for like the pop gigs. Um, Guitars vary. Uh, I was using a 335 uh, last week. I had like a, a Memphis Nashville from, from Gibson that I was using, 
but also like I this telly is like a big one for traveling too. It's so I, beautiful. It's I have a um I have a three three five that's like my baby, but it's a, in nineteen seventy eight, and I don't tour with it unless it's in a car with me. I mm-hmm. won't put it on an airplane. So and then I like I have like an Albert Lee Music Man that's cool. I tour with my uh my LP uh, Gold Top. I love that with the P nineties. It sounds great, but it hurts my back, so I'll only play it for like ten minutes at a time standing up. Mm-hmm. Um, amp wise, I love my Bensons. I tour with the Monarch and also yeah, right Woo! Monarch. I got my Nathan Junior and my Monarch. Can see it right over my shoulder there. We've got a Vincent and a Vinny. Sick. Well, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like almost too embarrassed to show you how messy that is, but do you see that right there? Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. the the Pendleton one. That's my my uh, Nathan Junior. Then in the other room, I have my Monarch. Those are like my favorite amps that I travel with. I also have like a Fender Princeton. I love too that I had modded a bit. Uh, and then pedal wise, like my board, I feel like there's a few things I like want to shift on it. I love uh, like Earthquaker Devices, Dispatch Master. I love that pedal i love they have a bunch of they have a bunch of cool stuff i love earthquaker device pedals i feel like they actually like can use them and understand them chase bliss audio yeah like their dark world warp vinyl i have those on Mm. my board i feel like everyone has the the flint but they just they're tremolo you can't beat that tremolo so good um oh yeah jam pedals they have some stuff i love jhs i yeah walrus i've been working with there's have some cool stuff so yeah that's like kind of the pedal worldy uh of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I like but, it. Yeah. I like it. Clyde Wah. I do love a Wah, but I also use the Jam Wah. The, what's it called? They have such a good name for it. You know, the Jam Pedals in Greece. Is that the, is that the, the Dolly, Dolly Llama? They have, yeah, the, that's, that, that's the Delay Llama. That's, oh, that's what? right. The Delay Llama. Their, that's their right. names are so yeah. good. What's their Wah? I can't remember. Then it's, it's so good. I don't know. Uh, let's, let's ask Google. Cause I'm, that's going to drive me crazy. Wah. And I jam Pedals. Wah. wah. Here we go. <laughs> the Waco. The yes, like Waco. Yes, see, their their names are so good too. That's great. I love. Yeah, that. I love their their pedals as well. So that's like the gear stuff. But I always like I get new pedals all the time, and I'm like, cool. Um, but it's also like a, what makes it on my board. I'm actually like overdue for a, a new board setup. Um, but the like Tetris of that sometimes is too anxiety provoking. I get it. That's why I haven't had a pedal board in like a decade. Damn. So what do you do? Uh, well, so I'm not touring, obviously. I'm just here by myself in the shed. And the latest incarnation, let's see if I can get out of the way here and let you see it. You see ah. that kind of vertical thing oh, yeah. back there? Oh, so yeah. I guess technically I do have a pedal board. It's a vertical pedal board made by Coda Handmade. Because what I do is I throw a bunch of pedals on the table and I kind of play them like, like a, almost like a modular synth type of thing. You know, where I'm just manipulating stuff and playing and 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 I'm also doing demos. And so I got that vertical board because it's so much easier just to reorient on the fly and then like be able to film them in a way that like is easy to see for everybody. And and it just is more conducive to like how I'm making the weird music I make. And then like below that, there's a um, a boss tube amp expander which has totally changed my recording game as far as like efficiency goes. Cause I can use my amps that I love, yeah. plug them into that and then run direct out to my interface. I can still play through my monitors. So it feels like playing the real deal. Cause I am 
Um, but then I can swap in. I, I can like run like four cabs at the same time into my interface. And so it's just like, <laughs> or excuse me, in my DAW by yeah. going direct into my interface. And it's just like, cool. sounds so good. And it's, I can get set up in like three minutes. Uh, uh, it's so nice. Joys. Isn't yeah. it nice? See like those moments when you figure out something that makes everything in your life easier. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I just I got these York IRs that I go to. I have just this huge library of them. And it's so great because, I mean, I used to spend hours and hours, literally sometimes all day, playing with mic placement on Ugh. a cab to get it right. And I don't mind doing that occasionally, but the amount of stuff I'm trying to make now, it's just yeah. there's there's no way. So the hybrid kind of digital and analog setup is where I've landed for That's like cool. efficiency and everything. So yeah, the, the boards and the boards always changing. It's never literally session to session, song to song. It's never the same ever. So yeah, I'm a little envious of that. Like I, I, cause I like, like the idea of things slightly shifting a lot, but like the Tetris of it is hard and like you want it to be uh, really sturdy when you're like taking it on the road. So this would never survive like, because <laughs> yeah. Because it, nothing's velcroed down. Wow. You know, the it's it's all there. And it's, it's done that way because I swap. I'm, I know I'm going to swap it in 20 minutes. So yeah. there's no reason to have it permanent. That said, I have a couple really nice, like, traditional boards here that I've threatened for years. Like, one day I'm going to set these up and, <laughs> and I'm going to leave it. I Actually, one thing that did, ha- like, shift during the pandemic was right before lockdown, I said publicly i'm gonna set the, i'm gonna take this board up to the, this guy we're gonna set it all up and i'm gonna leave it that way for a year which is just like unheard of for me that's just yeah. the most ridiculous thing ever granted i still got loose pedals to play with so it's not like i'm totally glued down but i was gonna try to come up with a, a rig that i could be happy with for a year which sounds like the epitome of first world problems but <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah but I, then lockdown happened. I couldn't go. And I was like, well, scrap that idea. I'm not doing oh that my now. God. You got to do it, though. I like because I bet. I don't know. Sometimes it's like I think about uh, what makes someone like what is creativity? How do you get creative? And I think it has something to do with uh, limits. Like you're mm-hmm. on an obstacle course and it's not and like you have obstacles to get through. And that's when you have to actually be more creative versus just like, well, screw it. Explode the bridge. You know, yep. like, like everything <laughs> works. And so that's like, if you have a one pedal board and that's what you have to work with, I bet you would find like new things and discover new things that you hadn't before. Oh, you're probably right. I think limitations are really important creatively. Um, and that is part of why I, a couple of years ago, I did a solo record in the first place because I, I thought back, I literally, I talked about it on the podcast enough that I talked myself into making this solo record because I was cool. like, 14 year old me would be so mad that all I was doing was demos and stuff. Demos are important. And like, yeah. like that's how we buy stuff, right? We <laughs> hear what it sounds like and we, yeah. you know, that's, I think that's pretty cool. Um, but I was like, 14 year old me would be so mad that I have all this cool stuff and a space to record it in. And I'm not just making music to make music. Yeah. And so I threw all of the notions of like, I need to use this overdrive today because I have to show people what it sounds like. And I, said that's not what we're doing now grab whatever you want plug it in and go and like just whatever is for whatever reason like oh i'm inspired to grab this pedal today for whatever reason i use that use a couple other things grab whatever guitar you want and just 
record and just start sketching and start recording. And it flopped out in like two, three months, you know? So that's a quick, a quick record too. It's, it's, it, I mean, if you listen to it, it's like, well, yeah, I can see how that happened because it's very ambient and exploratory and I just kind of let things go. So that's um, a cool way to dictate your life though. It's like, what would childhood me want? And would childhood me be proud of me? You know, I like, like to think about that. Like, because we all have these fantasies as kids and it's like, am I doing myself right? You mm-hmm. know, am I staying true to me? Yeah. I like that. I actually, I, I, I hadn't thought about it in the context of life so much as more just creativity. But now that you put it that way, I actually think childhood me would be like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. That's pretty cool. Like, yeah. that's exciting. Because totally. uh, it wasn't a job that was a thing at the time. Podcasting <laughs> wasn't really a thing. But but in retrospect, yeah, I think childhood me would be into it. What do you think childhood Molly would think? I think they'd be like, what? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think I think childhood me would be very, would be very happy. Yeah. Which me. means the adult you is pretty happy. Adult me, most days I'm very happy. Mm-hmm. Some days I'm a little persnickety and annoyed at elements and whatever but yeah most days i'm very no i'm just saying that because that something irritated me this morning but (laughs) i'm happy like i feel honestly i feel like incredibly grateful for the life i have and um for the life that like i've created and opportunities i've had i'm yeah most days i'm like i get out of bed and everything that is on my my day's list i want to do Mm -hmm. which i'm aware is unique and special um so yeah yeah, I agree with you 100%. I feel exactly the same way. Like, I, I've had a few moments. This is maybe too revealing, but I'm going to do it anyway. I've had a few moments. I've got a little, like, porch thing on the studio out here. It's, just, it's very small, just, like, so you can stand out of the rain while you unlock the door type yeah. of thing. But I've had a few moments just standing out there, like, at night after everybody's gone to bed and just kind of, like, getting a little bit misty and be like, I can't believe that this is what I get to do every day. This is wild. Like really wild, yeah. And it's it's because it's so different than what I imagined life was going to be like, and in a good way. So, dude, yeah, for sure, I get mm-hmm. that feeling. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I like, and I, I like always want to remind myself to, to to stop. Like, I'll be on stage and I look out and I'm like, "Good lord!" Like, I'm mm-hmm. so lucky, or whatever. I show like all the things I do. Really, yeah, it's like. I get to play with Jennifer Condos and Jay Bellarose and then we're going to go tour this summer. And like, cool. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> damn. This is my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And it's like everybody that's listening to this right now. That's why like it's to them. That's why I get to do it. Like everybody that shows up to yeah. your shows and gets to do it. Like that's, that's why, that's why we get to do this. It's incredible that people want to spend that much time with us. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> It's yeah. like, really? You want to hang out with me? You want to yeah. listen to me play guitar? But you're like way cooler than me. Like, what's going I on? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I do think it's important to like reiterate, like most of the people that you're a big fan of, I'm putting myself in that category too. Like if I, the people, I've got to meet some of my heroes through this podcast and they feel the same way. They're, yeah. they're like, what? I mean, it's just cool that anybody ever paid any attention. And and it's like, wow, we all just, circling back to that, like, we're all just kind of the same at the yeah. end of the day. Mm-hmm. 
I know. It's such a soothing notion. Yeah. We're all we're all just these scared little beings, like, you know, <laughs> wandering through this weird world. You know? Yeah. Like floating on a speck of dust surrounding a giant burning star that's going <gasps> to melt down any second. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like I'm like really I, I'm like not a stoner at all. I'm like whatever. But like sometimes these thoughts I have, I'm just like I wake up and I feel like such a stoner. I'm like, whoa, damn. <laughs> Bro. Kind of. Like I said, I'm like, dude, dude. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel most most of the time. I get it. I totally understand. Yeah. Well, hey, we are getting close to the end of the main episode, and I have a couple classic questions I like to wrap these up on before we slide over to Patreon. Uh, But before I do that, I like to give the guests a chance to take the floor, shout out anybody you want to shout out, plug anything you want to plug. Say hello to, you know, your great aunt Tilly. Whatever you want to do, the yeah. floor is yours right now. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. No, I'm just kidding. My parents don't pay attention to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> they have five children. They don't care what I do. Um, but on a serious note, I do have a record coming out. That's probably like the push. Uh, I have, I don't know when this comes out, but I have a single out. Another single comes out next week. The record's out May 3rd. I got tours lined up for the summer. So, uh, yeah, that's the thing I'm pushing, right? That's the thing I'm excited about right now is like that Molly Miller trio record with my heroes and best friends, Jennifer Condos and Jay Bellrose. What is the name of the record? The Ballad of Hotspur. I like that. That's good. Yeah. All right. I'm excited to check it out. And uh, as far as when this comes out, uh, we'll talk about that uh, when we hang up and we'll make it come out when it needs to come out. How about that? Party. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Final questions. I just realized something. I completely dropped the ball. I told the people in the Tone Mob Facebook group that you were coming on the show. So I'm going to have to take this and cut it into the main episode. But um, there was a That's couple cool. questions for you. Yes. Uh, and I completely forgot to Great. to look into that. So let's let's I think that's probably a good way to to wrap this up if I can find it. Um, there we go. OK. So. um. All right, we've got, yeah, we've got a few in here. Uh, I'm just making sure I didn't already ask this by Okay, cool. Okay, here we go. Kevin Fontana, he's got a two-parter, but I kind of covered the first part already. Um, Second part of his question is, are are there things that we should be working on that aren't usually taught by guitar teachers? And I think what he means by that is non-collegiate, you know, guitar teachers. Yes. Play. Don't practice. I feel like that for me was a really big lesson of like when you sit down, you're like, oh, I got to shed my scales. I got to shed this. I got to work on that. And it's like the most important thing is to sit down when you start, when you pick up your guitar and just play and like connect with your instrument. Mm -hmm. And that way I feel like the rest of your, your session is, is, will be coming from a place of joy and uh, purity versus like what I should be doing. Got it. Beautiful. Um, this one's not really a question, but, uh, uh, Tony, and I always butcher his last name. I think it's Felicity. Uh, he says, just thank her for me. I watched one of her cage videos and it completely changed my guitar playing. Oh, good to hear. Thanks, Tony. And then, uh, finally we've got, uh, Stuart Hill who says, was there anything she worked on specifically to develop her and in parentheses, amazing sense of timing and feel? play with really play with musicians. Like I think a lot of people like either play 
with a metronome or play with a computer. Um, but play, I'm like, I, I feel like I have such an advantage. My little brother is an amazing drummer. And so I, I play with him all the time. And that was also COVID. I just like play guitar drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like find a badass drummer and play with them or any musician, because like we have our own sense of time. But then when you play with other musicians, especially musicians that are better than you, um, it, it helps so much. So yeah, yeah, play with human beings. I love that. That's great. What is your favorite boss pedal? My favorite boss pedal? Mm-hmm. Wow. Honestly, probably their tuner. I think That's their tuner. Very popular answer. <laughs> really? Damn it. Oh, I yeah. want it to be special. I also like their tremolo. <laughs> TR2 is great. Yeah. It's a great trim. But there, I was just uh, using that that boss tuner the other day, and I was like, this is superior. This is the, the tuner. Yeah. It's a great pedal. I mean, it popularized pedal tuners, and pedal tuners have become essential yeah. for most guitarists. I was going to say electric guitarists, but no, just pretty much for guitarists in, in general. For sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Final question. Oh God, I'm sweating. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, I'm a vegetarian. I always like, feel like I'm like so apologetic, <laughs> <laughs> but like, actually I had like, like it's like a Italian, what is Neapolitan, right? Like a thin, yeah. Honestly, and it depends on where I am, but I like margarine is always a good test, but I do love a white pizza, just like a bunch of cheese. I love some mushrooms on my pizza. Love mushrooms. Yeah. I'm like a, a cheese and bread fanatic. I, it's kind of the majority of my calorie intake each day. Um, so yeah, that is, I that eat a, a lot of cheese. Like I dude, eat a lot of cheese. Me too. It's actually like, I, I'll, it's actually like problematic. I realized yesterday I was like, Probably had a whole block of cheese myself yesterday. <laughs> um, do you want like a location of like yeah, where? Yeah, yeah. Let's get specific. Okay. So as an LA lady, the spots where I'm like, ooh, pizza. Um, Gras in Echo Park is great. Pizana mm-hmm. is delicious. Also, um, where I love Pizzeria Mozza too. They have they're delicious as well. And I recently had uh, it's an like a Phoenix chain, but. Pizzeria Bianco. Have you had that? That's I great. have not, but I've heard about all of these places so far. These, Yeah, those are mm. the places that come to mind where I think they make pretty delicious pizza. Yeah, those are the ones that stand out in this exact moment. Well, when you get to Portland, I'll, get, I'll give you a list. We got some yeah. pizza. We got some good spots up here. Dude, it's, uh, I love it. I, I'm yeah. like, yeah. It's funny. Last night, it was... Last night I was requesting pizza for dinner from, mm-hmm. I, I wanted, you know, Hail Mary. That's another good one in LA. I don't and know. And I was one. like, <clears throat> it was a uh, Valentine's day. And I was like, maybe just get some, some Hail Mary to go chill night, whatever. And they had run out of ingredients. So I couldn't get Whoa. pizza last night. I know. I was like, damn. Well, it sounds like you're getting pizza tonight then. Cause you can't, you can't let that craving go unsatiated. True. True. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, Molly, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, we can do it again sometime. You're welcome back at any point. Whenever yeah. you want. Thanks yeah. for having me. Absolutely. All right, everybody. For Molly, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Alrighty, folks, there you have it. There's another episode in the can. If you want to hear some ghost stories and you want to get access to the ad-free feed, please head over to patreon.com slash tonemob, where for five bucks a month, you'll get access to all of that good stuff. Molly's links are, of course, in the show notes if you want to know more about her. And uh, honestly, you should. If you made it this far in the podcast, 
I think you will agree. She's a pretty cool person, and you should go check her out wherever you get your music. Catch her if she's coming to your town. All that good stuff. The links to her info is, of course, in the show notes. And please don't forget about the Tone Mob YouTube channel. That is becoming more and more of a thing for me, and I would really appreciate your support over there as well. If you like this podcast, it is also publishing there in audio and video forms. Actually, every audio episode is available there. So if you're like, man, this is the only podcast I come to the podcast players to listen to, you can go over to YouTube and it's there now. Okay. All right, everybody. Without further ado, I'm going to let you get out of here. I will talk to you on the internet very, very soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. 
On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. <laughs>